All right. Our scripture this evening is out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verse 42, through chapter 16, verse 8. Again, that's Mark 15, 42 through 16, verse 8. In your pew Bible, if you don't have a Bible with you, I encourage you to read along. It's found on page 1014 in your pew Bible. And there it's written. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed, and he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We made it. We're at the end. We're there. It's been over a year traveling through the book of Mark. But, but one thing to note is that the resurrection of Jesus isn't an afterthought. It's not an appendix attached on to a book that we say, oh, by the way, and Jesus was resurrected. It isn't the part of the movie, you know, the part after the end, and you're like, well, what happened next, where they play the inspirational music, and then they show a picture of the person, and say, and, and Johnny went on to go and play uh, football for four years at, at Texas University, where he lettered and led the nation and won the Heisman Trophy. It's not that kind of a moment. The resurrection of Jesus is the high point of Jesus's work completing and sealing the purpose of God to save his people. The resurrection matters. 
It's all about the resurrection. It's, it's why we meet today. It's the Lord's day. It's the day he was raised from the tomb. It's why we're here. He changed it all. Yet, when we read the gospel accounts, what is missing is the actual record of the resurrection. Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you can search them all. They, they don't describe it once. There's, there's no description of how is it Jesus was actually resurrected. You know, there's, there's a description of everything leading up to it in, in some quite gory details of, of the pain and, and, the, and the whipping that he went through. We know exactly who it was that went to Pilate and asked for his body. We know that there was a linen around him. We know that it was cut in the side of the hill and there's a, tone, and there's a stone rolled over it. We know that there were centurions. We, we know these things, but we don't have a description of the resurrection. And yet, and yet we know that it happened. We know that it happened. We know this supernatural miracle of God happened because of the results. There's an empty tomb. Check number one, Jesus went missing. There were then the sightings of Jesus. There were angels like the one sitting right there in the tomb with Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and, and said, you're, the Jesus you're looking for is not here. Go to Galilee as he told you. Jesus himself foretold not only of his death, but of his resurrection. And then we know this, that all 11 remaining disciples were willing to die, testifying to this very fact. See, the, the resurrection is so important, not only in our lives, but in the lives of everyone ever created, that others do their best to try and explain it away. Because if Jesus is really resurrected, then there are serious implications on the lives of everyone. And so, and so there's attempts to explain it away to lessen that burden. But we know for fact, verifiably, that Jesus died on the cross. We know the great exchange of our sins and his righteousness occurs. But the question that holds people as they're skeptical is, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Because if he didn't, this is what Paul tells us. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Paul tells the Corinthians in chapter 15, verses 14 through 19, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, meaning it's all meaningless, and your faith is in vain. We are found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. 
For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Jesus wasn't resurrected, then what we are doing here and what we have committed our lives to is meaningless and pointless. And we are to be pitied by the rest of the world. And so for 2,000 years, people have come up with ideas and theories to explain away the resurrection. And so we're going to examine a few of them tonight and look at them and, and, and discuss how they go. And, and some have said that it wasn't really Jesus on the cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, that, that they switched bodies as he was carrying the cross and, and they mistakenly killed the wrong man. Well, A, I will tell you that the Romans are very good and precise in killing people. They are one of the deadliest empires to ever reign throughout the world. And before Jesus was crucified, the reason he's not carrying his cross is because he had been whipped 39 times. And on this whip, we've learned, isn't just a regular whip, but on the end of it is attached a, a rock-like with a, with a pick at the end that as Jesus is whipped 39 times, his flesh is peeling off. And some, even their insides would begin falling out. And only 39 because they knew the 40th one would kill them. And they wanted to save that for the cross. They also placed a crown of thorns on his head. There was no mistaking Jesus. And if they had hung the wrong guy on the cross, I am certain the chief priests would have quickly pointed it out. Well, what about then the disciples tried and stole his body? They, they went and took it from the tomb. They, they made this whole thing up. They went and took Jesus out of the tomb before anyone noticed so that they could say that he had risen. I mean, this is one of the great criminal masterminds in all of history then, the fact that you got 11 men committing this and then testifying the rest of their lives to a lie, willing to die for a lie, and not a peep was said that, oh, remember when we took Jesus out of the tomb and we put him over in Bethany? I mean, police today are great at questioning individuals on their own about what transpired and stories don't even match up when they try their darndest. It's figured out. Someone always confesses. But here, these 11, they die testifying to the fact Jesus was indeed resurrected. Charles Colson put it this way, men will give their lives for something they believe to be true. They will never give their lives for something they know to be false. Okay, the disciples didn't do it. 
The disciples didn't take his body. Well, uh, probably the authorities, either the Roman authorities or the religious authorities, they went and took Jesus's body so that they could take care of it themselves. Oh boy, if this had actually happened. If this had actually happened, we, we have it, it good within history that if either the religious authorities or the Roman authorities had stolen the body of Jesus, he surely would have been paraded around as a dead corpse to put an end to every single claim. They would have quickly provided the body of Jesus. They would have quickly shown the world, see, the man isn't resurrected, here he is. But they couldn't. They couldn't because Jesus is alive. All right, so his body is not stolen. We can give up on that. You know, there, there's the other idea that they have that maybe, maybe these women just went to the wrong tomb. They got lost on the way. Took a left turn instead of a right turn. Took five paces instead of ten paces. Mark tells us they, they saw where he was laid, so they knew exactly where he was. But then you would have to know that Peter and James and John and everybody who ran to the empty tomb and saw that it was empty, did they go to the wrong tomb as well? Why would a Roman centurion guard be guarding the wrong tomb the entire night? Why wouldn't then the Roman authorities or the chief priests simply come and say, no, 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 guys, y'all went to the wrong place. It's right over here. We can roll this back. Look, Jesus is still in there. It's not the case. Utter nonsense. Another favorite of skeptics and non-believers is that Jesus didn't actually die. He wasn't actually dead, just mostly dead. Mostly dead, just not all the way dead. In, in our scripture today, in, the, in, in, in Mark, Pilate confirms with the centurion that Jesus is in fact dead, and the centurion says, yeah, he's dead. But it's called the swoon theory, that, that maybe Jesus, like in Princess Bride, he was mostly dead, but not all the way dead. And so this man who's now been whipped 39 times to the point and brink of death and then hanging on a cross for six plus hours, having his side pierced in which water and blood would then drain out uh, when they pierce the pericardium, which issues that blood and water indicating death. As I can see my wife telling Avonlea that's what it was, explaining the medical terms for us. The centurion who is there recognizes a dead person. This was his job. This is what he did. He's an executioner. And so after all of this happening to Jesus, they take him off the cross. They cover him in a linen, put him in a tomb with no medical attention for three days. And Jesus is just walking around like nothing ever happened. With no scars except those on his hands. Died on the cross. He died on the cross, not mostly dead, fully dead. He breathed his last. Well, what's left? 
It wasn't Simon of Serene. Nobody took the body. They found the right tomb. He was actually dead on the cross. Well, maybe his resurrection was just a big hallucination. People in their grief and in their sorrow and their fervor and and zeal for the Lord just happened to have visions and encounters with Jesus. Sure, maybe on a one-off, we could chalk it up to a hallucination. But Paul testifies to the Corinthians that Jesus once appeared to 500 people at a time. 500 at once. Now, if, if we study uh, hallucinations and even drug-induced hallucinations, uh, we know that if there is a group that size, one person may see Jesus and the next person may see floating pineapples. They're not having the same hallucination. Their experiences are different. It's a, it's a psychosomatic thing that's happening to each individual, and the chances of them experiencing all the same hallucination would be the first and only in recorded history. So after examining all these, using our own critical thinking skills, examining the scriptures, hearing the possibilities, we know none of them are true. So if none of these other theories are true, then what is? Where is Jesus' body? Why did the 11 remaining disciples die proclaiming Christ crucified and resurrected. What can explain it? Anything other than resurrection. It's as they said, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and he is risen indeed. And because Jesus died and rose from the grave, it has an impact on our lives eternally and an impact on our lives now. It matters. It means that the work of redemption has been accomplished. A, that we are not still in our sins, but that We who are in Christ have been forgiven, reconciled to the Father, adopted as daughters and sons of the God Most High, awaiting our inheritance as Jesus has as well. And it means, too, that we will also be resurrected to life eternal, not just in heaven, but when there is a new heaven and a new earth because of Christ there we will be forever. What does Christ's resurrection mean for us? That Christ triumphed over sin and death by being physically resurrected so that all who trust in him are raised to new life in this world and to everlasting life in the world to come. Just as we will one day be resurrected so this world will one day be restored. But those who do not trust in Christ will be raised to everlasting death. And so tonight I want to leave you with a few more of Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. But we do not want you 
to be uninformed, sisters and brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen.